Hello, my name is David Turner, and this is another episode of Lunar Poetry Shorts. And and, uh, as usual, we're at Eclectic Arts Lab in Waterloo in South London. Yeah. We have to get through a tunnel to get here. Today I'm joined by Emily Harrison. Hello, Emily. Hey. Hi, everyone else. Yeah. Hard work, aren't they? Yeah, I wanted like a whole, like, someone got a trumpet. I wanted something going on, but all right. It's a trombone, (laughs) Anyway, we're going to start with a poem. We are going to start with a poem. Hello, everyone. I'm very aware of this, but also of this. What's more important, guys, the thing that will stay forever on YouTube that I will listen back to and cry about, as we all know, we've all got egos, or what you guys, real flesh people, think of me. Um... I am going to start off with a poem. What have I decided? Um, So I went to the doctors the other day and um, got to fill out one of those forms. And for the first time, uh, I felt comfortable doing this. It asked me for my religion. Now, I was brought up uh, in a Christian Methodist family. And I went to uh, Sunday school every Sunday until I was 16. That was when I was allowed to not go anymore. So I didn't. Uh, And this first time, which is probably, yeah... A few weeks ago, I felt like I could finally say that I was in that dirty word that my mum wants to wash my mouth out with soap with, but I could say I was an atheist. Um, love that, whoop for the atheist. We never get whoops, we get told that, you know, oh, cynical and all this. But, uh, so I was writing, was writing this, and I wrote it in capitals to really make it really obvious and over the top, and then just as I was handing it over to the receptionist, I realised I'd spelt the word atheist wrong. <laughs> I was like, you win this time, God. Um, little joke there for the YouTubes. Um, been planning that all day. Uh, but this isn't a time for jokes. This is a time for poetry. So uh, this is called, I look on all the world as my parish. I couldn't understand why we were colouring in John the Baptist again. With the same sharpened down colouring pencils that no longer fit for the tray they live in. They replaced last year's pictures with this year's pictures. We've just stayed within the lines this time. Sunday school took place in the hall beneath the church, off-limits stage and ballet bars without the mirrors. Self-reflection was never encouraged. And neither was sneaking around the garden. No one was buried in this one. I remember it was there that I first saw a millipede. They taught us Satan invented the question mark, and when told Jesus died for my sins, I honestly thought he shouldn't have bothered. (laughs) Shrove Tuesday, 1999. Me and Jonathan make pancakes. Flipping from one side to the other, he asked as inoffensively as palm crosses, you don't actually believe all of this, do you? I thought that when the moment came, It would bite like lemon, but this juice came from a plastic bottle. I shrugged and asked him to pass me the sugar. Still, to this day, that was the sweetest pancake I have ever tasted. I prefer savoury pancakes. That's because you're not a heathen like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, right. Oh, shit. Maybe you are. I don't oh, know. Crikey. Anyway, first question. Uh, why poetry? Why poetry? So I knew this question was coming because you ask everyone that. Yeah. Uh, and I did think, like, oh, let's think of a wanky this is way to answer. Highly original, every highly, Sorry, yeah. So if anyone's listening, uh, giving the game away, I've listened to other stuff. Um, why poetry? So I really like the idea, again, this sounds like I've written this, but uh, I love the idea that poetry kind of refuses to be lukewarm. It's either like really, you know, it's so intense all of the time, whether it's really funny and it's really hard hitting, or whether it's something that you really, you know, you're going through a shit time and you think, right, I'm going to. I'm going to pour my heart out on the page. Um, and that's something that in my life is kind of, kind of parallels the things I've been through, the kind of the ups and the downs. Um, I think that it's something that I, everyone says this, but you do like the idea that you have to choose specific words, you have to be a bit picky. Um, and I think that's why, that's why it drew me to it, I think. The passionate pedant. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a room full of them in front of us here. <laughs> you can you can taste it. That's what I think. When you've got a room full of people who are also write poetry. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what have been the main influences over your development as a writer and performer? And if they're different. So yeah, I think yeah, I think they are. I think people obviously you write before you perform because otherwise you'd stand up there with nothing to say. So uh, I did start out by writing. Um, my mum used to read a lot of uh, Edgar Allan Poe to me when I was really too young. I was probably about six or seven, and she'd read his short stories, and they're really dark. So I started writing quite young, under the age of ten, the kind of teen angst stuff that should have come later, um, which means I got it out of my system quickly, which meant that you know I could start writing slightly less self-involved stuff, jokes, everything I write is self-involved. Why have I said that? Like, slightly less self-involved, if that's possible. Um, so I started writing from a really young age and I'd have all these little notebooks and things and my mum found me one recently from when I was like 10 and they are just dark and quite terrifying and I said to her, does this not point towards something mum? Should you maybe talk to me about this? But she, she loved the idea that I was kind of being creative and she used to write me poetry and things and mm -hmm. it was kind of a little thing we did together. So I, I owe that, I owe a lot to my, to my lovely mum. Um, performing was a completely different thing. The first time I performed I burst into tears. Um, I read something about my dad and just cried and I was about 15 and it was the day before my 16th birthday I remember it and I was in this weird barn in Swindon a place called Lower Shore Farm and uh, this woman took me out onto these hay bales and sat me down and like did some hypnotherapy with me it was all a bit odd so that really stuck in my mind I thought I'm never doing this again I'm clearly horrendous um, but I, I always wanted to be the muse I had this idea my mum's got lots of pre-Raphaelite paintings and I've got red hair and I always felt like I could be the muse but no one was writing about me and I was like well stuff that I'll write about myself <laughs> so uh, yeah started writing about myself and then found a platform finally got a bit of confidence in life as you do as you know at some point as a young woman you've stopped hating yourself hopefully guys and uh, well, I don't know so let's not self-reflect on that now maybe um, and yeah and, and performing was really fun um, Selena Godden is a big, is a big uh, influence of mine to see a, to see a strong-willed woman kind of stand up there and not give a fucking shit. Yeah. She doesn't care. She just she reads what she wants to read. She's sexy and she's sassy and she's not apologetic for it. And I think that as soon as I saw her read one of the first times, I thought, I want to be her. So uh, hopefully I'm not. Ripping I want to be Selena. I want to be Selena. <laughs> hopefully I'm not ripping her off too much. But um, yeah, no, big. That's a big shout out, guys. If you haven't seen her perform, please go and go and find her. She's. She's life-changing. She's got some great stuff on YouTube, actually. Absolutely. Um, second poem, maybe, and then we'll go on to Yeah, let's go for it. Stuff. So, talking about influences and things, um, I write a lot about mental health. Uh, I've been in and out of hospital my whole life. Uh, got diagnosed with bipolar when I was 18. I feel like I've got to be quite 
on, I've had occupational health on my back recently and I kind of have to keep saying these things like, you know, this is my label, this is when this label happened. Um, and and I, I talk about it a lot and I write about it a lot. I, I did a gig recently uh, for lovely Mr Tim Wells and I got off stage, I'd read a really serious poem about, about being in hospital which was difficult to write, let alone read. I got off, I went to have a bevy because this is scary and you need a drink after. Uh, and a man stood next to me and he looked me up and down and he went, that's a very tight dress you're wearing. <laughs> and I said, fuck you. And I said, how dare you? And I was kind of, someone else was on stage. Like, <laughs> like really, like, didn't care. Like, really sorry to whoever that was. I need to find them and apologise. Oh, my God. Uh, and basically, he got off lightly because I went and wrote a whole bloody poem about it. I think that, like, the dickheads in your life get away with it, whereas you turn around and you're like, right, I'm going to sit down and slave over something. But um, this is for anyone who thinks that they can fix another person who's got mental health problems for the wrong reasons. I do think people can be there for support, and that's really lovely, but the kind of people who love the idea of having a crazy girlfriend can go and fuck themselves. So, sorry for the swearing, I know, I'm just no, 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 potty no, mouth. No. I don't care, take it from Selena. I don't give a shit. No, 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 no. Um, as, you, as you were. Thank you. So, uh, as you, are you slightly terrified of me now? I felt like I was a bit aggressive, I apologise. Uh, this is called When Your Girlfriend Tells You She's Bi, But You Soon Find Out She Meant Polar. <laughs> it's fine, I'm both. To the man who never heard a word of poetry, could only comment on the dress and to the rest. I am not your manic dream pixie girl. I am not Zoe Deschanel eating an ice cream sundae with her fingers, offering you the cherry and giggling about how she's always secretly had a fantasy involving Chewbacca. I'm not going to ring you from the edge of anything. I'm not going to adorably teeter along a rooftop like a temperamental toddler with my arms out yelling, I'm flying. I'm not going to let you attempt to braid my hair. I do not fake that thousand yard stare in photographs to make me appear more interesting and no. Do not try to fix me. I'm not going to burst into your boring office job, demand you jump on my plane to wherever with blatant irresponsible disregard for actual responsibility because life is too short. It's actually really, really long. Too long to quote Hemingway under heavy breath. Too long to be the muse for your half-arsed attempt at a graphic novel. The female red-headed superhero fighting misogyny, the patriarchy, with her cleavage mysteriously enhanced. The size of my heel does not indicate how many inches I think I am above you. The colour of my lips does not indicate what I can or cannot will or will not do with them. I'm not the unsuspecting babysitter with Bambi blowjob eyes. I'm not whatever you want me to be. No yes sirs, no sirs, three bags full sirs. I am not the justification for your pig-headed ignorance about mental health. I am not if only she'd been better. I am not the one who got away. I'm not, I dated a girl with bipolar once, it's okay. I'm not measured in how many songs remind you of me, A&E trips or your lack of sleep. I am worth the trouble to keep. And since you brought it up, since I brought up the big, the big bipo, the big bipo, you mentioned it, not me. I wasn't me. even going to talk about it. No, um, I thought about asking, I suppose, people's perceptions of the, 
artist with mental health problems, especially bipolar, might have this idea of someone running around with bags of energy, just smashing poems out left, right, and centre, and drawing and, and making sculptures, and, and sort of falling back on the memories of these dark holes that they've been in, mm -hmm. and utilising these emotions to come up with these great works of art. How does that ref reflect your practice? Is it true or? I think that there is something quite similar and I think that a lot of people can relate to with the creative process where you kind of hate yourself for ages, you can't write a single thing and then all of a sudden you get this huge burst of creative energy and you write loads of stuff down and you think it's the best thing in the world and you think you might be God and Jesus is speaking through you and you think this is the best thing, this is literally going to change the face of poetry and it's fantastic, it? everyone's doing that, everyone <laughs> thinks this is literally, I'm the next T.S. Eliot, life is great and then you put it away for a bit and you, you get the crash and then you look back at it and you think, I'm a fucking idiot. Why did I think that was any good? What am I doing with my life? I hate myself, I hate my work, never again, never writing again. And then the cycle starts again, you don't write for ages and then all of a sudden you get that. And it's exactly the same with having, you know, with having bipolar, you know, you, that's how you feel about everyday life. <laughs> You're kind of like, I hate myself, I don't know how to do anything. Oh no, I'm great, I'm Jesus, I'm God, I'm fantastic. And then, oh no wait, everything's shit again. And I think that that cycle is genuinely something that people who write and people who, not even just write, but people who do creative things and, and have that outlet really do understand. And a lot of the time, if I explain it in that way to people, they go, yeah, absolutely. Um, never claim to feel anything that other people don't feel. You know, those days where you just get up on the wrong side of the bed and you just think, oh, everything's shit today. I missed the train and now it started raining and it's the one day I forgot on my umbrella. Like it happens to everyone. It's just, you know, certain things trigger it and certain things go on. But I think writing poetry it's just a way, it's a, of course it's therapy, of course it is. And even performing is a form of therapy. Like I'm more honest to you than I am with my fucking therapists and it's via poetry. I think if they were to read my poems, they'd know far more about me than what I probably tell them in an hour in a tiny room where you know it's all very, very clinical and kind of set up. So I think um, for, for people who suffer with, with mental health problems or anything, you know, the majority of them will write. And it's the chicken and egg question. Are the writers that, you know, which one came first? But there is solace there, I really yeah. do believe that. Do you think um, that artists, well, we'll talk about writers specifically now, do you think writers with mental health problems, there's a danger that they might become addicted to that cycle of crashing? Do you think people can become reliant on those moments for inspiration? Absolutely, and, and you know, there's, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole debate about whether people with mental health problems are more creative. And I, I know friends and I know people who, who will stop taking their medication because they feel like it's, it's stopped them from being creative and they, and they believe that their creativity is part of their, of, of their disorder or, or you know, something that they go through, that they suffer through in order to get this amazing piece of work. Um, personally, I think that, that that can be dangerous but I can totally relate to that. There are times where I've been, you know, drugged up on meds and I think I have not written a thing for months. It must be because these, you know, these pills I'm, I'm putting in me aren't, aren't making me creative anymore. And I think it's about finding, like you said, a balance. It, it can be quite addictive. There's a danger, isn't there, that writers become convinced that their creativity is coming from their mental health condition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when in actual fact it, it's only ever going to prove to stifle it. It's only going to ruin your life, you know, it's only... Absolutely, and you know, the worst times are, you know, when you can't even, you know, turn from one side of the bed to the other, you know, let alone yeah. pick up a pen or, or, or organise your thoughts. Um, but I do think that people can write in any state of mind, and I think that there are things that, that people will find 
comfort in um, when they you know pick up a pen and kind of getting it out and being able to see it whether it's funny I, I was explaining this earlier like I, I, I am more than happy to joke about my own mental health problems I would never mock anyone else's people have every right to talk about how they feel in their own way um, and you know my defense mechanism has always been humor so it's going to come out a little bit like that mm. um, but I do find that you know picking up a pen and having a right can be extremely therapeutic and I think that you know more people should do it really so we've done mental health. We've done oh, mental health. That. We can draw. We, we said this. That my USP has been mental health. So it's nice to not talk about it sometimes. It's like you know what? What are you going to bring to this? You know, just me, let some. Yeah, mental health is the only thing I can possibly talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Next question about uh, mental health. Uh, let's go for a poem instead. Should we go for a poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely. So uh, I had a little chat outside with some people about. Um, about trigger warnings when it comes to poetry events. Um, I still don't know where I stand on the whole trigger warning thing. I don't even know if we came to a conclusion, did we? I kind of said that I would maybe mention that this was a poem that might need a trigger warning. I don't know whether I'm comfortable saying it. Yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. And I'm, I'm going to love you and leave you with a poem, I think, as well. Um, thank you for listening, guys, and for my chat. That's always lovely to... Like I said, cheaper than therapy. Jokes, I get it on the NHS. Um, <laughs> but no, genuinely. If I didn't have an audience, I'd just be talking to myself more often than I already am. So thank you. Uh, this is called The Girl with the Jade Earrings. Your Edvard Monk ripoffs, seven foot tall, loomed like bad decisions. Fairground mirrors, laughed at the both of us. You were living on a blow-up mattress. Stacks of Prozac in the corner of the room where the books should have been. Stolen to be sold, plastic surgery for the soul. I, regret, I regretted boasting to your friends that I might be on the telly. I flinched like a brushstroke until you'd had enough of waiting. Your eyes pinned me down, said, let's give the scream a reason to pull a face like that. The bed deflated, became a seesaw where we'd never find common ground. You pulled everything down to my ankles, dragged me along the carpet by my ankles and an elbow to the face I still want to believe was an accident. I focused all my energy on finding a pair of jade earrings I'd taken off for safekeeping, a gift from my sister. I wasn't leaving her here again. And when you chased me out into the street, complaining you didn't have my number, it was raining. Of course it was raining. It needed to. Thank you. Thank you, Emily Harrison. There will be links in the underneath this uh, thing when it's on the internet to basically see more of her work, check out her stuff. Um, thank you, Eclectic. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs>